AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Corn, soybeans, and wheat were able to manage some decent closes today. That amid some heightened and just nutty volatility. I wonder if a day like this does anything to make fund managers nervous about being short. Hmm. Well, we'll talk about that. Plus, demand, South America, acreage. And, of course, we'll steer it all back towards strategy. Live from a newsman two for Tuesday via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, I will chat with Mark Hobrock, uh, Hobrock from the Andersons. Directly following the news, Brian Split from AgMarket.net. I'm filling in for Chip today. It's me, your outstanding guest host, Davis Michelson. So happy to be here behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk. Glad you've decided to spend some time with us either on your favorite agricultural radio station or your preferred digital device. Uh, glad to have you along here. Um, we're, okay, on the on the chip thing, I did I did get a text from Chip. Uh, it it's a little cryptic, actually. Um, I think I can share this. I'm not sure what to make of it. Here's here's what it says. I'm just gonna bounce it off you, the listeners, because you're you're smart folks. Uh, it simply says this. He, Chip texted me this: "The planet Earth is blue, and there's nothing I can do." I don't know what is that code or something. I. I mean, maybe the Astronaut Academy thing, I mean, maybe maybe they needed him worse than they originally thought. I don't know. Either way, it is down to you, and it is down to me. Well, me and me and Brian and Mark, uh, it's going to be a great show this afternoon. I was going back and forth um, with Mark Hobrock from the Andersons earlier today. Um, just kind of asked him, you know, hey, man, what's what's on your mind today? What are you, what are you thinking about? Uh, and the list, the list is long and beefy. Um, well, it's it's long and girthy, I guess we'll say. No mention of beef necessarily in the notes, although I'm sure it'll come up. Um, anxious to talk with him because there are so many so many things out there. We're we're here back now, live after a break yesterday uh, for President's Day, and you know, kind of a great time to sort of catch up on these markets. Um, uh, we should probably talk about demand and what that what that the implications are for carryouts here in the U.S., I guess I'll say. I do want to talk about that short position. We keep talking about that large fund short that expands across corn, soybeans, and wheat. Um, and step one is just to, just to get them out. Get them out. Um, what, how do we do that? Does the day like today seem like it can do it? Um, a little on South America. And then, of course, strategies. We got to make it practical for y'all. Um, where your heads should be at. So we're going to, we're going to make a wide loop. You know how I like to do and then bring it all back to what does it mean for you? Hopefully we can get there. I got big plans, big plans today. Let's begin with the news where wheat futures followed corn and soybeans on both the up and down escalators today, ultimately ending the day sporting solid strength. Winter wheat futures were led higher by corrective gains in hard red winter wheat contracts, while a weaker U.S. dollar also added support. 
USDA reported wheat export inspections of 381,000 metric tons. That's down from the previous week and near the low end of pre-report trade guesses. Hard red winter wheat growing areas of the U.S. will continue to miss rains through at least Sunday, notes world weather, while persistent unusual warmth could lead to more greening as the soil continues to warm. March HRW wheat futures today, 18 and one half cents higher, 585 and three quarters. March SRW wheat gained 22 and one quarter cents to 582 and three quarters. March spring wheat closed at 665 and one half, up 10 and three quarter cents on the day. Uh, the weather is, is a big thing. It, I spoke with Brett Waltz from BAM WX this morning. And by the way, they've, they've got a webinar coming up that's always a, a good one, a pre-plant sort of webinar thing. Um, to really get your head around uh, spring planting weather and that sort of stuff. Uh, BAMWX.com can give you more info on that. But his thought, you know, I'm like, dude, my rhubarb is popping up. It's warm everywhere. Is this just spring? He didn't necessarily say that, but he did allude to the idea that there's not a whole lot of scary stuff out there for the foreseeable future. We'll see. Um, This Iowa boy grew up knowing that sometimes it snows in April. Corn futures started the day higher on follow-through buying from the overnight session. By midday, futures had given it all back and dipped below unchanged. By the close, futures rebounded to recover most of what was lost. USDA reported a daily corn sale of 155,000 metric tons to Japan for the 23-24 marketing year. Safrina corn planting in central to southern Brazil is at the fastest pace on record going back to 2013 with 59% of the projected area seeded as of last Thursday. Here at home, USDA reported corn export inspections of nearly 919,000 metric tons during the weekend at Feb 15. That's up from the previous week and within the pre-report range of estimates. March corn futures were two and one quarter cents higher, 418 and three quarters. May corn gained three cents, 432 and one quarter. July corn futures closed at 443 and one quarter. That's up three cents on the day, um, interesting about corn. First of all, a uh, shameless plug for the morning hour of AgriTalk. I had a terrific conversation with Dr. Michael Cordonier uh, from Soybean and Corn Advisor. Dude has his finger on the pulse. If you don't know who this guy is, he's got his finger on the pulse down there in South America, and we we really talked it through um, as far as how this, this growing season has been for them, what's on the horizon for the South American grower. We talked Argentina. We talked Brazil. It's good stuff. Give that a second look. Uh, just in, in case you missed it. Uh, soybeans trimmed gains throughout the session, garnering support from strengthened soybean meal. USDA reported daily soybean meal sales of 228,000 metric tons to the Philippines for the uh, 23-24 marketing year. Brazil's soybean harvest reached 32% complete as of last Thursday, according to AgriRel. That's above the 25% seen the same time last year. USDA reported soybean export inspections 1.19 million metric tons. That's actually down from the previous week, but near the upper end of the pre-report range of estimates, March beans six and three quarters higher, 11.79. May beans added seven and one quarter cents to 11.83 and a half. July beans closed at 11.92. That's up seven and one quarter cents today. And with that, let us bring in Brian Split from AgMarket.net. Brian, uh, good morning, sir. Uh, an update today, man. What do you know? Well, first of all, good afternoon, Davis. Um, yeah, did I say morning? You know, it was a. <laughs> you did. It's okay. Thank you. It's a long weekend. We just came out of right. It still uh, but is. you know, we did have some positive trade today, uh, really led by wheat. Wheat was able to hold the gains. Uh, Chicago wheat has 
an outside day higher today, uh, double bottom from the lows that we had back in November. So that looks uh, short-term positive. Unable to hold on to the strength that we had in soybeans after gapping higher, the May and July contracts did go down and fill that gap, so there is not a gap there. Left a quarter cent gap in the March, and there is still a gap in November. So we're interacting with the short-term downtrend and the 10-day moving average on beans. We need to close above that in order for things to turn technically positive. We weren't able to do that today. And frankly, for corn, it's probably going to be pretty difficult to get a meaningful rally until we can get through the first notice day period, get these basis contracts priced. And after that, we'll have a shift in ownership from the producer to the commercial. And that might be part of what helps the short covering. But uh, you've got wheat inverted right now. So that really de-incentivizes the funds to roll shorts. Uh, bean carry from March to May is only $0.04. Cents. We'll see what that does in the delivery, but that does not really incentivize maintaining that big short position. And uh, corn's going to be the one that we have to continue to watch on the spreads into delivery. All right. Brian Split, uh, straight to the point. I love it, buddy. Uh, agmarket.net, thanks for your time, brother. Appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you. And have a great afternoon, won't you? And you as well. Thanks for uh, tuning into AgriTalk here. I've got Mark Holbrock coming up. We need to clean up the uh, the last of the news here. Big D got a little uh, got a little gabby here on the front end. So we'll finish up the news and get straight to Mark on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. And welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. We got a Lorna Dune of a show going on. No chips in this one, but he'll be back uh, ASAP, I think. Uh, that cryptic message, it sounded like it came from space. We're going to have to figure out what to do with that. I'll figure that out after the show, all right? Well, just make sure and tune in tomorrow morning. Uh, you don't want to miss tomorrow morning's show. Uh, before we get to Mark um, Holbrock from the Andersons, I need to finish up my news here. I got a little long. March cotton was down 268 points on the day to 91.19. Now at 91.19, that that seems <laughs> a little toppy there. So maybe at 268 points off on the day isn't uh, isn't out of the question. Um, on the cattle, the cattle complex began the day with a sputtering start, but ended the session with solid gains. April live cattle actually softened 22 and a half, but you get out to the June. Um, you're at 12 and a half cents higher, 182.95, and then further out you see bigger gains. Uh, March feeders 35 cents higher, 251.37 and one half. And on the snout side, April lean hogs gapped higher at the open and have traded to the highest level since June 28. Ongoing strength in the cash market remains a source of support. 
April lean hogs today firm to 45 cents, 85.67 and one half. And June hogs up 42 and a half cents. The close at 87.17 and one half. At long last, Mark Hobrock from the Andersons. Mark, welcome to AgriTalk. Thanks for being with us today, buddy. I appreciate the invite. For sure. Um, you're with, uh, with the Andersons geographically ish. Where, what part of the country are you located in? I'm in Overland Park, Kansas. Right here, suburb of Kansas City. I'm in our corporate office here. Oh, no so, kidding. Um, okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, cover a lot of, uh, you know, we cover basically the continental U.S., but uh, my realm leaves me more west of the Mississippi River, all the way to the Pacific uh, Northwest. Now, let me ask you about this. Uh, you've been in Kansas City for a while, right? The Kansas City area, Overland Park's uh, over in the Burbs. You're right next door here. Uh, dude, it's, it's, uh, I'm here like a year and a half. Is this what spring is like down here? This is crazy. For sure. For sure. It's, I've been here five years and it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's phenomenal. Well, I say it's phenomenal, but you know, just like you said, you were, uh, the previous segment, you're an Iowa boy. I'm an Illinois boy from way back when in central Illinois. And we always are waiting for the next snowstorm in the spring after we have some 75 degree days. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're waiting for the other, the other snowshoe to fall, perhaps. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's, and it's, it's been an interesting, interesting weather picture here for us and we'll get into maybe if there are implications for acreage or anything like that but uh the top of our list here right now um you know we got some daily sales today from some traditional buyers the philippines showed up for some meal japan showed up for some corn inspections i guess were kind of okay um your title on the uh, demand chapter right now however would include the word lackluster fair statement that's a financial fair statement for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I so, think you know. I, uh-huh. I think with the recent dollar fifty move lower in the, in the bean price and call it eighty cents in the corn price since uh, you know the beginning of December, um, I thought we'd see some more demand show up here uh, on the export front. And we have mm-hmm. just seen kind of what I call routine business. You know, the Mexico sales, the the uh, Japanese sales on corn, some South Korean sales here and there, and then of course China on beans here and there. But we're not seeing any big purchases yet. That tells me that the these end users of these foreign countries are just sitting, waiting as these funds control this market and keep pushing it lower. They're waiting for lower prices yet before they look out the forward curve, and they're just buying hand-to-mouth needs now, and I think that continues until we see some kind of hiccup in our planning season. How savvy are – I've heard a lot of lot of analysts talking about this this short position that we just – we need to shake loose before um, really any can go anywhere. We're concerned mostly with corn on, on that. Do – do importers look at those shorts and use that as an indication? I mean, maybe maybe we need the shorts to begin to roll out um, and exit some of these short positions before we see export demand. Is it is there a connection there that you have observed, or no? I think there's a small connection there. I mean, I who knows what these funds are going to do? They're, they're algorithm based, right? But we're, they're short until they're not. Um, I, I think there's some correlation there in seeing the fund positions to keep them out of their short. That that's that's a downward price movement. But I'll tell you, I think corn was close to record low uh, shorts here, somewhere around that 325,000 contract short. Mm. So for the funds to sit here and carry that type of short through the entire growing season, historically it hasn't happened, Dave. It's not saying it can't happen because it can, but historically it just doesn't happen where they stay short through the entire growing season, 300,000 contracts. Now, they might buy it back and get shorter come fall if we have a crop, but I just don't see them staying this short through the entire growing season here in the Northern Hemisphere. 
I mean, you know, and if, if you look at, go ahead. Go on. No, go on. If you if you look at the total short for corn, wheat, and soybeans, I have them somewhere around five hundred fifty thousand contracts short prior to the prior to today's trade, where we you know finished corn, wheat, soy higher. Um, so five hundred fifty thousand contracts. That's over seven billion dollars. Okay, probably maybe even closer to eight, but seven billion dollars of funds short between those three commodities today. Wow, wow. Well, and then you know you look out to the to the stocks here and into the equities, um, they're kind of moving in the opposite direction today, but I don't think that's significant enough for money to move around from one side to the other at all. I think you started seeing some of that money move last, not last spring, but, you know, after last June rally in the Father's mm-hmm. Day weekend, and all of a sudden the interest rates, they said, hey, we're going to continue to keep interest rates uh, steady, if not higher. I think you started seeing a lot of the money move out of the commodity spaces. We seemed like we had a crop growing in the northern hemisphere, mm-hmm. and they kind of got out of the the inflation hedge for uh, commodities and, and went back in the equity side of the market. So I don't think you're shaking any money out of commodities today back in the equity market. But look, guy, you might shake some out of the equity market back in the commodity sector if we get some type of bullish news here. I just I just don't know what it is until we get right. to plant season. Right. Right. Well, and the. <laughs> Honestly, the weather looks strange and un, uncommon, um, but it, it sort of is what it is. I spoke with, with Brett Waltz from BAM WX this morning. He sees nothing in the next few weeks. I mean, I, it doesn't sound like we can see a weather scare that's going to come up and, uh, and make anybody nervous at all. It sort of feels like the path of least resistance, at least on corn, I guess I would speak specifically, is, is still downward. Is that, does that resonate? Yeah, and, and you know, I if you had asked me 30 days ago if we would trade trade March corn down at 415, I said I don't think we'd go that low, well, right? I thought we were going that four four forty, maybe four fifty area. Uh we gotta keep these corn above four fifty, or I think we see some more selling pressure there. You know, we closed uh you know in the four sixties today. But yeah, I I didn't dream that we'd put a three in front of corn, but we might here. Um now can yeah. we put a three in front of corn once we get the new crop or the crop? Absolutely. I think that's where we're going with a, you know, a two, three or a two, five carry out, whatever you want to call it. So, but we've got time here. And I think this is a message to all your listeners that we have some time here. We have yet to get this crop in the ground. We have yet to get it through uh, the main growing season and we have yet to harvest it yet. But I think there's some opportunities here to to make some sales, which we'll talk about later on the program. But uh, right now the path least resistance is lower. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, and I, I think it was last week when we broke through, I'm just going to use rough numbers here. We we broke through uh, supporting corn at 420 and closed at 417, and then I think the next day we were we closed back above 420, and now here we are uh, fiddling around the 415 support level area here. Um, and I I think we all need to be very careful because there's a lot of talk about oh what we need to do is put a three handle on this and then she's going to the moon. We need to be careful because a three handle doesn't necessarily mean a panacea for corn, does it, Mark? No, sir. And and listen, I, we've been waiting for to spur this demand, right, on the export sector since the 1st of December, and we haven't seen it. And we haven't seen it because I think the Chinese economy is slowing. Um, you know, you, you've got a crop in South America um, that's coming on board. Uh, so I think the hand-to-mouth users, that's what they're doing. They're buying hand-to-mouth, and they're going to sit and wait because their next purchase is, is going to be lower than their purchase 30 days ago or 60 days ago or 90 days ago. So they're riding that wave of lower lower uh, hedging, and until the market tells them they need to go out on the forward curve, they're going to sit on their hands and keep buying hand to mouth. 
Sure, and and in their defense, they are performing their jobs effectively as as expected, aren't they? In that situation, you bet they are. Yep, yep. Um, well, and then of course the implications for uh, for you talk about you know the the assumption is the crop is made, and of course one hundred percent of of uh, yield potential is still in the bag right now. Um, but we gotta we gotta keep an eye on these carryouts too. If we have a decent growing season here, man, it it could get ugly at the other end. For sure. I mean, let, let's talk new crop prices a little bit. You know, historically, when we have a, a two, three, or two point five billion bushel carryout on corn, you know, corn's trading in that three fifty to three seventy five area. By the time we get the new crop mm-hmm. uh, on December futures, beans, if we're in that three fifty to four hundred million carryout with you know increased acres that we're looking at for this year, uh, you know, that tends to put beans in that nine fifty to ten fifty range uh, come fall. Mm-hmm. Not saying we're going to go there. We got a lot of chances to. Uh, you know, trade some weather events or whatever, if you will. But those historically, if you go back and look, and historicals don't lie, but that's that's the price ranges that I think we seek if we have a crop uh, come this fall. Yeah, yeah. Man, I, I can't wait to talk some strategy with you and uh, what, you're, what you're cooking up over there. But I would like first, we've, we've sort of discussed that large fund short. We probably need to talk about the influence of South America and export competition. Brazil's soybean harvest uh, advances um, eight percentage points ahead of last year. Maybe we'll start with South American crop production on AgriTalk next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes where March hard red winter wheat futures were 18 and one half cents higher, but 585 and three quarters. March SRW wheat up 22 and one quarter cents to 582 and three quarters. March spring wheat closed at 665 and a half. That one's up 10 and three quarters of its own. March corn futures two and a quarter higher, 418 and three quarter. May corn up three, 432 and one half. March beans six and three quarters higher at 1179. May beans added seven and one quarter cents to eleven eleven eighty three and one half. March cotton was down two hundred sixty eight points on the day ninety one nineteen at the close. Livestock's April fats twenty two and a half lower one eighty seven thirty two and a half. March feeders thirty five cents higher two fifty one thirty seven and one half. April lean hog futures up forty five cents eighty five sixty seven and one half. Get more market news every market day. Try profarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down. 
but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. In fact, we're here right now. And I hope you are, too. Well, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Agritalk, everyone. Your pal, Davis Michelson, here in Chip's stead. Uh, I've got Mark Hobrock from the Andersons with me. Um, let's bring him back in. We were just about to get into South American crop production. Brazil's soybean harvest is is off like gangbusters, as is safrina corn planting. According to AgRural, their historical data shows the safrina corn planting pace is the fastest on record uh, since 2013. Um, Mark, let's talk South America crop production. What's the... Uh, what what's the big stinger on crop production right now in South America? Well, we, we created some weather events on the on the bean side in Brazil, and a little bit in Argentina. You know, when they were getting a crop in the ground, but since then, I think we've kind of stabilized um, where where South America bean production is going to be. Right, I think the listeners need to understand that Argentina had a big bean and corn problem last year with the drought they had. So if you take those four major exporting countries down there, uh, Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, and Uruguay, they're going to have a bigger bean crop uh, than they did this time last year, just because Argentina has a crop this year on the soybean side. <clears throat> on the corn side, I mean, you get your listeners listen to Dr. Cordoni here this morning. Great update. Always love reading his updates. Um, the point being is, is it 145 million metric ton crop in Brazil? Is it 52, 53 in Argentina on the soybean side? I don't know, guys, those are still big numbers. Okay, there's there's plenty of beans to go around the world right now. You know, a couple of weeks ago, you had some um, South American shipments making their way into the uh, the Southeast U.S. So can that happen again? We're probably done for a while with, with the dollar fifty down move in the bean market here in the last 30 days. But keep an eye on that as well. Switching over to the corn side, uh, granted, Argentina's crop, is it is it 52? Is it 55 million metric tons? Is it 50? Who knows? It's still going to be better than last year. And with the bean harvest ramping up in Brazil, that safrina crop is going to go on the ground in a timely fashion, looks like. And they've got some moisture to get it going. So the big point on the corn side is you won't have as big a corn crop, I think, uh, out there just because I don't think you're going to have the safrina corn acres in Brazil because the prices aren't there like they were the last two years to incentivize those guys to plant more corn acres. So I look for Brazil corn, especially the safrina side, to be down 12 to 15 percent. We'll see that we get in the growing season, but Obviously, there's still plenty of corn in the world uh, that we got to compete with. Dr. Cordonier this morning was talking about those South American farmers. Um, it sounds like they're they're playing the old store and ignore game. Um, the The wrinkle is that the majority of them, I believe, he was he alluded to, maybe seventy percent of them have grain in commercial storage that they're paying for. They're not going to want to pay that storage much longer. That when they see an opportunity, they're gonna they're gonna flush out of that grain, aren't they? Sure, they are. Sure, they're going to flush out of the grain. I, I think you're going to see the same thing here in the States with, you know, there's there's more grain in commercial storage than there's been the last, you know, three years for sure. There's more mm-hmm. grain on farm. If you look at the last stocks report, of course, we'll get the updated stocks report at the end of March. Um, but there's more grain on farm here in the States, too. So at some point, that stuff has to move. Right. Um, guys will have to generate cash ahead of planting season for inputs and cash rents and so on and so forth. But at some point, that crop has to move. And, and I think we've got to get the corn rolled out from the March to the May, and we got to get the beans rolled out, mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier in the programming. But until we get there, I just don't think we can get a meaningful rally. When we talk about uh, fertility, I mean, there was, you never know. But last fall, I mean, the the application window was wide open for anhydrous phosphate. You know, 
for any of that fall field work to be done, was there enough done maybe that that there's a decent amount of farmers who don't necessarily need a huge cash out here and can kind of just sort of fritter, you know, sales here and there? Or, you know, do is there a greater proportion of farmers who need to go kind of all in to get their fertilizer bought this spring? No, that's a great point. I think, especially in the West, we had a, we had a great yeah. application season west of the Mississippi River, right? Even Illinois, I'll tell you, Illinois and West had a great application, all application season. But you get you get east, you get Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, uh, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, that area. Those guys struggled getting the crop out, right? They were still harvesting corn in, in December in a lot of those areas. Yeah, that's right. So they didn't get the application window we got. So I think if you're going to see guys push the cash needs, it's probably going to be in the east, eastern Corn Belt versus the western Corn Belt. And I, I think the farmers are, are flush with some cash uh, from the last couple of years uh, that they're going to be able to just to just to sell when they need cash flow needs. And yeah. I, I think it's once the planters start rolling and once they see the crop go on the ground, then then the farmer will say, "Hey, we're getting the ground. Any rallies will be sold and, and met with good farmer selling." So the chances of us getting back to uh, five dollar old crop corn are, yeah. are very slim today. And I hope we get a chance to do some five dollar new crop corn on December futures here with some type of planning problem or weather scare this summer. Well, I got to be honest, if I'm out there in those areas east of Illinois that you mentioned, um, I might be thinking that I I might at some point want to be locking in bases. I mean, if, if the if the bin doors are going to open, everybody's going to say, oh, here's our opportunity. Whoop, let's go. It's going to market. Man, I want to have bases locked in ahead of time, right? Am I thinking about that wrong? No, no, no. I, and I, I think a lot of these guys have, have gotten uh, – more in tune to what basis is doing the last couple of years, just because there was plays corn moving from east to west, from north to south, everything else, you moving in the feedlots and the ethanol plants. And I think the American producers have gotten more focused on basis than cash price. And I think we've got to get back focused on the cash price. That's what pays the bills at the end of the day. With a two and a half billion bushel carryout or two, three or whatever you want to call it, where, where we end up at the end of August, mm-hmm. basis really doesn't need to rally to buy the grain. There's plenty of green in this country. So I think you got to look if you get premiums out there, especially as guys go to the field and you get some quick pushes to these ethanol plants or to these feedlots or heaven forbid the export market comes back. Um, you need to, you need to really hone in on getting a basis moved in that, in that planning window because that's when the farmer goes to the field Mm. and the commercials usually sell a lot of grain during that window. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's let's talk about those twenty twenty four acres just just really quick. Um, we got a what a ninety one and a call it an eighty eight print on beans or eighty seven in change, I believe. It, it sounds like if anything, from what I'm hearing, uh, corn acreage might go up a half, maybe maybe another full point yet. Here, where are you sitting on acreage? You know, everybody's asking that question, I, and I think I told Chip way back when that I thought we'd be ninety and ninety. Right. It's been a while since we've been 90 million corn acres, 90 million soybean acres. I think it was 18 or 17, somewhere in that window before the trade war started. But I, I'm still kind of in that camp. I, I just, I think we're losing. You mentioned the cotton prices there mm-hmm. uh, between the break, uh, 91, 19. I yeah. think you're buying some cotton acres in the Delta region. You know, even though the National Cotton Council said that cotton acres are going to be down 3.7% year over year. Yeah. I don't think we'll be down that much. Uh, granted, we'll have to make sure we get it to the ground, but I know. Uh, a lot of areas down there in the Delta where we buy a lot of, a lot of corn and soybeans. A lot of those farmers are talking about putting, putting cotton, more cotton in the ground. So I think you lose a little of the corn acres to cotton. You didn't have a real good, uh, finish to the harvest season east of the Illinois, Indiana line. So I don't think you, 
you got the field work done over there and didn't get the fertilizer applied to get the corn on corn acres out of there. So I'm I'm thinking maybe we have a little less than that 91 million that the USDA outlook form came and maybe yeah. a few more bean acres. So 90 and 90 where I'm at, 180 total million uh, planted corn and beans, which 178 to 181 has been historical. So that's kind of where I'm at today. Outstanding. Consistency. I like that. I like that. Um, how do we how do we market through, uh, you know, after all the things that we've said here, tremendous amount of uncertainty. Opportunities are going to come and then go. Um, help me get my head around some marketing strategies for old and new crops. Start wherever you'd like, Mark. Yeah, let's, let's start with the old crop. I, I think you've got to watch this 20-day moving average on, on March corn. It'll soon switch, switch to uh, May corn once we get through first notice day here. But the 20-day average on March corn uh, currently resides around uh, like my chart here. Currently resides around 4.37. I mean, that's 20, roughly 20 cents higher than where we're at. Until we can break through that level, I don't see us getting a meaningful rally. So I think a 20 cent rally essentially needs sold, or I'd say 15, 15 to 20 cent rally needs sold. Um, on the old crop bean side of things, again, you've got to carry in the corn market. Um, but you're paying interest every day that that corn's not sold either. You're paying storage to the local commercial. Um, so probably getting rid of it on rallies is, is what I'd suggest. And a, a 20, 20 cent rally seems to make most sense right now. Looking at soybeans, uh, beans had a, a pretty good, you know, a better day than, than most have had in the last basically 35 days. Hmm. But that 20 day moving average on March soybeans is around 11.98. So, you know, we closed at 11.83. So if we can get a you know fifteen cent rally there, test that twelve dollar area. If we can break through twelve dollars at eleven ninety eight area, maybe we can get a quick you know another twenty five thirty cent pop. So I try to look for on the beans. It seems like beans are overdone here uh, to the downside as well as corn. Okay. Looking at a new crop. Um, granted, we got to get this crop in the ground. We got to see how many acres we have. Uh, prevent plant. Who knows about that yet? But it all depends on spring planting weather. Easter's early this year. Uh, we always said in 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 Illinois that we don't do anything until after Easter Sunday as far as playing the crop, but it's basically um, the end of March, you know, that first weekend of April is Easter. So maybe we'll have a little early spring planting. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But I think on these corn, if you look, as long as we stay above 450, which 30 days ago, if you would ask me, Davis, I'd say there's no chance we touch 450 before planting season, but right. we're 13 cents away from it today. And this morning's lows, we're only eight cents away from it. As long as we stay above there, I, I think we get back in that. There's a lot of moving averages back up in that four, call it four eighty-eight uh, to five dollar area, and that's okay. where I'd be looking to to make some sales. You know, our All spring right. crop insurance price today for for corn, uh, for most of the corn belts, four dollars and seventy cents. That's a far cry from where we were the last three years. So our guarantees are going to be down, but. Let's see where that's at. Anytime you get a chance to sell grain that's 15% above that crop insurance guarantee, that's historically a good place to do it. Look at a new crop soybeans. You know, we closed the day at 11.58. You know what, um, Mark? Um, can, I, yes. can I hold you over to the to the other side of the break just for a few minutes to finish the conversation? I won't keep you long, I promise. You, you good? All right. Sounds good. Uh, Mark Holbrock, uh, Holbrock from the Andersons. We're, uh, we're talking some strategy. We're, we're moving over into the, uh, the new crop beans. I just... I want to I want to let him finish his thought, and then we'll cut him loose on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. 
Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. No one's even mentioned Prevent Plant Acres. Easter is early this year. Yikes. I've got uh, Mark Holbrook uh, from the Andersons on uh, today. We were talking new crop bean strategy. Mark, um, thank you so much for for. The, uh, the holdover here, I appreciate it. We won't keep you any longer than we have to here, but I got to know your thoughts on new crop bean strategy, baby. What do you got? I appreciate it. I got a little long winter on the corn side, but, you know, listen, beans beans are oversold here. You know, we, tra- we closed beans at 1158 November. You know, I, I think we look for rallies, you know, in that 12 and a quarter to hopefully 1250 area to make sure we're making meaningful sales. Crop insurance, like we talked on corn, corn crop insurance, uh, February guarantee is 470 so far. Uh, we got a few more days to average there. And beans, if you look at November beans, it's 11.66. Far cry from almost the $14 we were last year, 13.92, I believe. Yeah. So I, I think, again, rallies on the corn need sold and protected on, on old crop, new crop. We need to make sure we put some protection on if we're, if we're not getting the ground and make sure we want to stay above that crop insurance guarantees. You do the same thing on beans. I think we get a meaningful rally, you know, in that 12 and a quarter range. I think we start pricing some more new crop beans. The message I want to give to all the listeners is we've got to get back in a risk management pattern. Uh, whereas it seems like the last three years, if we missed a rally, we had another one coming 30 or 40 days later. Right. Now yeah. the pattern is the opposite, right? So we got to make sure we're, we're back selling above our crop insurance guarantees, hopefully above our break evens and manage our risk to the downside because a two and a half billion bushel carryover in, a, on, in corn and a, a 350 bushel carryover on soybeans does not scream beans in the teens nor corn above $5. So yeah. let's make sure we're focused on the risk management. I really like uh, some products we like to use are, are the min-max opportunities when we get rallies in the planting season or into that early summer window there around Father's Day weekend. Make sure we're we're putting a min-max strategy on as we're back in a range, range-bound market where we're, we're locking a floor in but also capping our ceiling. But the chance of a blow-off top or slim to none without a, a drought-type scare this year. Absolutely. Um, all right. I, I, I appreciate all that. That's, uh, that's really great stuff. I was taking notes there. Um, so any final thoughts? Let me, let me just put a, put a bow on this whole conversation for us, Mark. Well, just put the bow on it is our demand is lackluster. As we talked about at the beginning of the show, right? We, we've got limited export demand on both corn and soybeans and wheat. Uh, we got plenty of competition from the Black Sea, Russia on the wheat side. We have plenty of competition from South America on the corn and soy side. Um, ethanol demand is, is okay, but it's not as stellar as it was, you know, 
last year for sure. So I think a lot of your looks like a lot of your ethanol margins are break even today, cash flow positive for sure, but right at break even today, even with corn trade in in you know the lower fours. So um, look at the hog side of things. We're not adding the hog herd in a big way. The poultry sector is doing okay. Uh, cattle have came back, but a lot of these feedlots moved their cattle through uh, the fourth quarter of last year, and they're slowly telling us that they're going to be slow to rebuild. Uh, feedlot numbers. So the only demand sector that I'd really consider doing well is kind of the ethanol and this break even at best today. So we've got to see something hype up on the demand side to really get this market going, or we got to get a surprise on March 31st stocks and acres number, or we're looking for some type of planning uh, delay or growing factor to get these funds to move off their short. And lastly, just like we talked here when we opened up this last segment, is we got to get focused back on risk management. And use rallies to put floors in place above crop insurance guarantees and look to the min-max type contracts where you're locking in the floor but capping your upside as upside looks limited today uh, with the current uh, prospects for an average crop. Wow, that is uh, that is really, really great stuff. Um, Mark, if if uh, someone's listening today and they want to they learn more about you and about the Andersons, where can they go for more info? Man, now you're asking the hard questions. Um, <laughs> best, best way, best way to reach me is email. That's M H O B R O C K at andersonsinc.com. And that's andersonsinc.com. Very good. Mark Holbrock from the Andersons. Uh, this has been a really great conversation and I know the farmers have gotten a lot out of it. I sure appreciate your extra time today. Uh, hey, enjoy the rest of your week, Mark. Thanks for being on AgriTalk. Thank you, Davis. Wow. Um, lots, lots in there. Um, that demand, of course, is a story that we continue to watch, and uh, I guess we'll just have to. And these these things that he's talking about, the, the potential items that could spur some sort of a rally here, not only short-lived, but also, <laughs> you know, they're going to have to come out of nowhere. I mean, these we're, we're like he said, I mean, what are we going to do? We're, we're, well, one of the things that could help us is a weather event. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to wait, I guess, and just have to see. But in the meantime, we're going to need to be prepared. And one of the things that he talked about right at the end there, and I hope that you caught it, uh, we it, whether or not you as an individual or we as a community have become a little bit complacent financially over the last few years, we this year is a good time. And right now, I would say, is probably the best time to hook back in and get your mind back into that risk management you need to manage risk in order to get through here pops are going to be short-lived likely going to be short-lived opportunities will come and they will go so you got to have your head straight and you've got to be thinking risk management because when you get a rally the next one might be two cents short of that and the next one might be five cents short of that and you're thinking to yourself man if only I had. I don't want you thinking if only I had. I want you thinking I'm glad I did. All right? Let's strategize risk management style. Really gr- special thanks. Shout out in a big way to Mark Holbrock from the Andersons for, for bringing up that and so many other great points. Let's do look over to the weather forecast here according to the National Weather Service. This is a 6 to 10 day uh, outlook. This is valid Feb 26 to the 1st of March, gang. We're up to the 1st of March on the 6 to 10 day. 
Uh, below normal temperatures with the uh, the the coldest parts in L.A. and up in the PNW. We got near normal in a stripe, kind of going down right over the Four Corners region from north to south. And then everybody else from there on east is uh, expecting above normal temperatures with a big maroon spot over the eastern Corn Belt. Um, more precip moves in nationwide with uh, just Texas looking below normal. The 8 to 14 day looks very similar. A little bit of the heat comes out. A uh, little more precip comes in. Uh, that's our show for this afternoon. Tomorrow morning, we got Bob Hemisath of the NCGA Farmer Forum with Kevin from Minnesota and Dennis from Iowa. Thanks to Brian Split of AgMarket.net. And, of course, Mark Hobrock from the Andersons. For me and Big Apple, come back tomorrow morning for more AgriTalk.